Hello and welcome to the Not a Victim podcast. Not a Victim is a show about learning to live a life without excuses. Today's guest is Richard Allen. Here's the show. All right, man. So, just tell me a little bit about your background and your just kind of upbringing and uh, and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I was born in Syracuse, New York, uh, in the year 1988. I have mom, dad, an older brother, two younger sisters, and we're just we're a very close knit family growing up. Right around about my tenth birthday, a couple months before my tenth birthday, we decided to move down to right outside Atlanta. And uh, from there, we just, we started growing farther apart, like the things that we do together and the time that we'd spend with each other just kind of got few and far between. Um, There's just a bunch of stuff that we were just going through individually and as a family, primarily watching communication issues between my parents. I mean, we, as, as kids, we still got along and still played together and, you know, went outside and did kid things together. But, uh, there was, there was more uh, uncomfortableness happening during those those first right. years being down here. Right, and obviously stuff that you didn't necessarily know how to uh, process at that time. Right, uh, right. right. Yeah, I was I was kind of seen as the uh, the jokester of the family. Hmm. Um, just kind of, I knew how to make people laugh, how to how to distract them from situations, and so uh, that's all I knew how to do. So hmm. I I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed getting a laugh. So. Wow. Um, yes, I very much identify with with that comment. <laughs> right, yeah. um, so did your parents, did they get divorced? Did they stay together? Or, or was there just a lot of tension? Or Yeah, it, uh, there, there started out um, to be a lot of tension. And then uh, as high school progressed, as you know, then I went off to college, uh, that's when they did get divorced. Hmm. And so uh, kind of to go back on the, the point of using humor, I think moving around as much as we did, um, you you kind of want that acceptance in your new school. Um, trying to learn, you know, how to how to react and interact with other kids and try to make friends real fast. And right. I've always had sports and, and a sense of humor kind of to fall back on. I love doing that stuff. I still do. Um, just something active, just to make friends real quick. Something I was good at, and so. But it was like what you're saying is. You know, it it formed kind of shallow relationships. Is you know, I a lot of the times I'd use humor. It's you know I'd want to listen to other people and what they're going through, but then I'd quickly switch to you know making a joke so they wouldn't ask me the same thing because I wasn't comfortable talking about the stuff yet. Hmm. Um, Was there ever a season of your life um, that you felt you would never get out of? Yeah, I I grew up uh, also in a an atheistic household. Um, to where we didn't really is is pretty much about like kind of do what makes you happy, you know. Don't offend other people. Don't make other people angry too much. But there wasn't really like a, a deeper purpose. Um, mm. We latched on to the concept of family and to you know treat others with with respect. But I think it was when I was about seventeen when I met my now wife. That's when I started learning more of that, more purpose and what I could contribute. And how I could help a situation, but I think before then, in my teenage years, I just 
there's so much happening with family uh, between my parents, but also with my siblings um, and me just trying to process it in a trying to be as healthy of a way as possible without making the same mistakes as what other people were doing. I didn't really know how it would end. I, I didn't really know how to get out. I didn't know. I just thought, you know, just continue telling jokes, maybe football or maybe sports will work out. But I never really had much of a plan. I didn't really know how uh, to actually help the situation. I just, hmm. it was just being stuck. Just no answers. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Tell me about your experience, your experience of, of coming to Christ. What was that uh, like? Yeah. Um, well, as I said, grew up in an atheistic household. Um, actually, I don't really like that word. I like uh, using anti-theist more. Um, just the, the concept I had of who God was, um, it was very skewed. Um, my concept of what the church was and what the Bible taught was very skewed. And a lot of it did come from um, my dad. I, I really looked up to my dad. Uh, I pretty much followed everything that, that he taught me and really just didn't really question it. And it wasn't until I tried having this mentality of you know survival and do what you can to to make yourself succeed. When I tried enacting that and it wasn't going very well, um, I saw other things, more foundational things like love and truth and you know things like honor and loyalty and things like that, um, still kind of in the undercurrent of life. And so I knew there was something deeper to life than what I was being taught. And so I used my dad's same teaching of, you know, test everything. Don't just believe what people tell you. And I decided to do that with what he was teaching me and, and what you know society was teaching me. And, and so I, I really, towards the end of high school, right around 16 years old, 17 years old, I really started asking more questions because I just, I wanted actual answers. What would actually help me get out of the situation I'm in? What would actually help my siblings? What would actually help my parents with what they're going through? Mm. And so I just, I started searching just for for actual truth instead of more distractions more jokes or you know more hobbies and things like that so um it was right around the time actually the the passion of the christ movie came out <laughs> mm. um there's this uh, one of my classmates i call his name is poland uh, he's from poland i can't remember his name i probably couldn't pronounce it <laughs> yeah he uh he asked me one day i was in the library he asked me if if I wanted to see it with him and I was, you know, I was kind of taken back, but I was also a little like repulsed by it. Um, like he should have known where I stood on things like this, but it was like, nobody ever asked me. And then I told him no, and I don't believe that stuff. And uh, I think it's just a fairy tale and is, you know, a silly book and all that. And he wasn't repulsed. He wasn't offended. He was just like, okay. Hmm. And then he just went on his own way. But I think that's kind of what, what really started is like I was expecting this angry reaction, right, or this offended reaction, and he did the complete opposite. And I was like, okay, it's a bit interesting. <laughs> um, and then my now wife came into the picture. We started out as as just friends, had no intention of having a further relationship with her. We were just friends. I can make her laugh. It was real easy to make her laugh, and and so she grew up in the church. But I saw her having her own family problems, but she was handling it a lot better than I was. And I was actually seeing good results in how she was handling things. And so growing up, um, 
my parents split up. Uh, my mom moved out. Uh, I wound up staying with my dad. Uh, and my mom took my sisters with her. And so uh, there was very much that divide, and we weren't um, very financially stable, and so there's a lot of unsurety there. Mm. Kind of along the same lines with my wife's upbringing is her parents weren't really getting along. They're going through a bunch of negative stuff on their side. And so it was very similar, like parents going through a tough time, separation slash divorce, uh, financial problems, uh, communication issues, um, didn't really get along with her siblings at the time. Um, and so stuff like this, uh, having to move around a lot, unsure of you know where your next meal is going to come from or how long you're going to stay at this house or you know that apartment or you know things like that. And then how do you... Being a now married person, like how have what was the process of learning uh, kind of God's design for being a husband? Obviously, you know, you'll always be on that journey till till you die, probably. But right. to the extent uh, of where you are right now, how did what was that? What did that look like? Um, yeah, as far it, was, as... it was working my tail off, to be honest. Um, yeah. I knew kind of like on the on the back end of all these problems that were happening. Like the the final year of high school, college was about to come up to where I was about to leave the house, and you know I was having to be an individual and kind of survive on my own. Like things like that were happening at the same time. I met um, my wife Kaylee, um, and like I wanted to, I didn't you know envision marriage when we first started going out, um, but I knew if the if anything was to happen, you know, where I'm like seventeen, eighteen now, and you know, the option of being married is now on the table uh, for people you meet, or at least like having a more serious, committed relationship with somebody. Uh, you want to be that, you know, knight in shining armor. Mm. Um, and I think it, now, like in today's world, that is so like frowned upon because, uh, well, we, we could go all night on why it's frowned <laughs> upon. But like, you know, it's very, it's very like PC to kind of, like crap on you know uh, gender roles or whatever. But meanwhile, yeah. when gender roles are, some of that is instinctual, and it doesn't matter what anyone says; they will always be the way that they are. And that the people saying that they're totally wrong have just been super, super hurt and have not come to terms with that because you know mainly because men weren't doing it in the way um, that you know that it was designed. Um, in that, like. Just like when a man properly does his job, it's not this awful thing it's being portrayed as. It's right. it's a beautiful thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I was having to, to try and find those like actual real examples of, you know, what an actual man is. You know, we, we hear like provider and protector. And I was, you know, at that time I was just thinking physical means. Right. You know, um, but also learning, you know, what scripture says and, and just I watch a lot more. I observe a lot more than I listen. I like watching how people actually are rather than just trusting them at their word for something. And so right, I would right. see like there was something deeper happening. There was something deeper happening with my dad, uh, things that he was actually needing, um, contrasted to what he was saying he wanted or needed. Hmm. Um, same thing with my brother, same thing with you know, multitudes of people in society. They say one thing, but you just you watch their lives and able to see like well they actually need this and so i really had to search out and hunt for positive role models and kind of like a holistic approach not just physical 
you know, provide, protect, but also spiritual, emotional, mental, um, in those roles. And it was just, it was a lot of, you know, putting trust in, in people I probably shouldn't put on a pedestal that quickly. Hmm. Uh, just trying to fill that role. Um, and I, I've had a really tough, uh, go of some of that stuff in the last few years too, because like, um, and this may be slightly different for you, but I have a very kind of dominant older brother and, uh, and has always been kind of, uh, you know, an amazing example. But because of that, I, especially when it comes to like man stuff, especially the more boring man stuff, um, that is incredibly important. Um, (laughs) I, I just grew up not gravitating to that. That was the part that was taken care of by my older brother. So I, instead of like actually knowing how to do this stuff, I would just be the, the commentator on whatever was happening. But, like, when you get to a certain age, it, you really, that's not cute anymore. You really have to kind of um, just kind of start taking control of things to the extent that you can. Right. And, um, you know, even stuff for the future, you know, you, there's there's no way to predict what will happen, but you do have to, uh, to kind of set a plan. And that very much re- um, impacted my first few relationships where I was super codependent because I had not really been forced to kind of iron out some of who I was and stuff. And um, and now I'm seeing slowly um, when I, you know, when I enter a relationship now, it's way different. One, because I am more open, especially with, uh, with people about what I should do and kind of more open to advice and stuff. But also um, just am s- starting to get the hang of not being codependent and not... Um, not allowing the the girl, um, especially, and this mainly going out to people who are not married, you know, to not allow that other person to be the source of happiness in your life because it will bore them and they will leave. Um, But more than that, it will break you, or I'll speak for me, it completely broke me because it was uh, was everything. And, um, you know, when it's not allowed to be everything, whatever happens is not... Um, as kind of traumatic or whatever, because that person does not have to be in the place of God. Um, so you feel like some of that was was just from um, seeing things, seeing people's needs, kind of unspoken needs uh, of the people around you. And uh, who were who were people that you in the beginning that you kind of said this is what a man is like. This is where I'm where I want to be. You know. Yeah. Yeah. There. Um three right off the top of my head that I could think of. I'll, I'll say their names. Rich Hogan, uh, Lance Levins. Rich Hogan, I serve alongside of him at North Cherokee Congregation here in uh, Canton. He also goes to Buford Congregation, if you have anybody that knows him there. Uh, Lance Levins, he serves at Piedmont Road. And the third guy, Brian Collins. Um, he was a preacher at Woodstock Congregation whenever I, I started my, my journey toward God. Uh, and he really helped me. All three guys really helped me just show me, you know, what it takes to be a man just as an independent, but also as a husband, as a father, um, having a positive role in society. Um, and it was, it was really important that I, that I studied those three. And there are, you know, several other men, uh, but the, I think those three were the ones that I really uh, latched onto uh, right. in the first years. What about what about the the job stuff like stuff like that like what was your what was the moment that kind of said I gotta I gotta be an adult here <laughs> there's no other option like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well actually growing up we uh, 
we always had pretty good work ethic as a family. Um, up in New York, when we, when we lived in New York, uh, we all had a paper route together. That was one of the things that we did together. Uh, wake up early, we'd meet at this warehouse and load up some newspapers and uh, distribute them before the sun came up. Mm. Um, so we did that as a family. Uh, whenever we moved down to Georgia, I uh, got a job when I was 15 uh, to try and alleviate some financial stress. And so worked at Kroger as a bagger. Uh, 15 years old, whenever I could start working legally. Hmm. Uh, from there, worked at a bowling alley. Uh, that was pretty fun. That was probably one <laughs> of the best jobs I had. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. I yeah, think yeah. that would be I, crazy. I remember, I think it was the second day working there. There was a whole bunch of training tests or training courses and tests I had to take, but I think it was the second day I worked there. Uh, the manager, he was on shift, and he was at like the far lane. It was midday. Nobody was at the bowling alley. He was on the far lane, and uh, he motions for, for me to clock in and come join him. And he's like, well, today's lesson, I'm just going to teach you how to bowl better. <laughs> and wow. so we bowled a couple games together. He said, well, now uh, you can just spend an hour, two hours, three hours, just bowl as much as you want. Whenever you're done, go ahead and clock out. And, like, I literally got paid uh, to just bowl for the whole afternoon. Wow. And so. That's that, really cool. Yeah, that was that was a pretty cushy gig. Um, going on to the the next question, being when did you decide to go into to act on being someone that occasionally preaches and act on being someone that writes and all that? This like frame of mind switch to where this isn't something I do to this something it this is something I totally can do. Right. Like you know, most people who do anything like this, you don't grow up feeling like it's something that you're destined to. Um, I'll speak for me anyway. Um, the first few songs that I wrote, I just decided I'm not leaving this room until I write a song, and I've never done this before, and I may never share it with anyone, but but I'm done not doing this, so I'm just going to do this, and then uh, we'll go from there. And But but what was that? Um, I don't, and I don't want to sound like I'm super determined or whatever. I was really, really scared, but I just came to a moment where uh, this kind of trumped being scared of it. Right. Uh, and what was that moment for you? What are, what were the fears of that moment, and what were the the things that you know kind of allowed you to push past the the fear of doing something new? Seeing the men before me that I really looked up to, they're very good at communicating um, God's word, and I knew that was one of the things of what a true man is. Um, not not necessarily like in a pulpit sense, like on stage, or even like teaching a class. But just in general, like if you come across somebody who needs a question answered, um, just being able to provide an answer, you know. Well, it just shows that they've ironed out what they believe and they know why. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, and so there's there's an honor to that. And so I knew whatever capacity that I teach, um, I I know how helpful it is. I know there's a lot of people who kind of went through somewhat of the same upbringing that I did, and so to have answers or possible answers for questions that I had growing up or questions that they have, uh, that could help a lot. And so I set out to to communicate, to, to learn how to teach this. And one of the capacities that came up was um, preaching. And so um, I, I remember it was probably a year after I became a Christian, the opportunity came up to where um, I got a chance to give a sermon on like a Sunday night and I got the CD from it is the most monotone thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, 
And it was it was just I was I don't have it anymore. I think I think I threw it out. But I just I was like I need to work at this. But and then fast forward to where I was like I okay I need to I need to know how to communicate better at this. I need to read more. I need to study more. And so I knew how beneficial it could be for people. Um, I'm not saying getting up on you know behind a, a pulpit or anything like that is for everybody. Um, I just knew that you know why not give it a shot. I didn't know if that's where I could be. Why not give it a shot? Uh, you never know until you try, right? I think um, I think your instinct to just learn more and all that, I, I don't relate to that at all. <laughs> what I would say, <laughs> not at all. Um, I, yeah, so I would say, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about this earlier today, um, and some of that's personality stuff, and it's a, it's a fantastic thing. I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. Um, but I was thinking about this earlier today that, how unbelievably hard it is to start something new that is kind of an uphill battle that is a good thing in that um just thinking about in my from my own experience that the the best part of it is that anytime i start doing something in a positive direction just to do it the first time or to not do it the first time or whatever just whatever that is um is unbelievably difficult to sw- make that switch but that whether it be going to the gym or something more uh, spiritually minded than that or just whatever or emotional or whatever, um, that because a lot of times because the end goal seems so like far away, the kind of the sweetest part of that is anytime you're doing a thing to uh, a good thing, the process is also kind of good in that, um, yeah, I just, I see kind of the end goal of something I could do and then, I see how hard it is, and then I just don't do it. Um, but the the antidote to that being, even though it is really far away, the whole time you're doing it, it uplifts you because you know it's you know it's pushing in this good direction, and that there are things, including like whether it be just like going to the gym or something, that before I did it, I just assume like I just I don't know if I could ever be this guy or whatever. So I'm, who even gives a crap? Um, but the like process of doing it you the whole time you kind of feel good because you're forcing a positive thing to happen over feeling and that this kind of whole podcast is about me learning to do that and and hopefully other people um you know uh, being open to that that it's it's kind of putting principle over feeling that that is the opposite of what atheism teaches but in atheism's in atheism's teaching they also are teaching uh, nihilism really because they're saying that nothing really matters so do whatever yeah. um and for me i'm always hit by the nothing really matters part i don't i don't get over that part um and that that is a huge reason of uh of why i'm a, a believer but uh because there are you know there are no answers and after a while anything uh that feels good stops f- feeling good after a while and <laughs> right. uh i know that yeah whatever that sounds real like grandma cliche or whatever but <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't matter though that like this is a huge thing that you said earlier that uh when i was 15 and i've gone to this many times on the podcast is when i was going through depression and really becoming suicidal but through that experience i started asking uh started like having the hubris to ask questions of God that I never asked before and incredibly um, more difficult questions to answer. But for the first time I asked those and 
the main one being why am I even alive? If people just like grow up and have kids and have more kids that do the same thing and then they raise those kids and go to work and then they have kids and then we just do this over and over, why does any of it mean anything? Right. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, uh, growing up, I just felt like you shouldn't go there, that it's like disrespect to even ask that question, which is which was just me kind of um, being misinformed that God is not insecure, and so he was not uh, insecure about me asking this of him. You know, I had to get to a place of, of being in a kind of suicidal for me to ask this, and in that in some ways when people are in that situation, although it is very delicate, I think it uh, pain brings out a level of honesty that nothing do- else does, that nothing else uh, can kind of reach a certain level of honesty that that you know uh, that pain reaches in in that way. Um, I wouldn't know God uh, really at all had I not experienced that because I wouldn't have been um, really honest with Him about how lost I felt, um, or just to understand the kindness of God enough to be allowed to to ask anything of Him and know that He is not uh, scared of of questions. Um, and you know, uh, yeah, it's just. Christianity is real difficult in that way that, like, in a way that all of life is difficult, I guess, in that sometimes there isn't an answer at the moment, um, and that that's very hard. You know, I'm dealing with some stuff right now where I just don't—I don't see the end. And um, But at the same time, if I was real honest, I really just, like, need God's compassion— um, in in the process of walking through the thing in that um in that my allowing of god to have compassion on me and to be okay with feeling that um has changed the process of going through something uh, hard i definitely um, sympathize with that is that is actually one of the the things that depression is one of the things that my whole family pretty much struggled with having this idea like you know there is no truth there is no real purpose really for being here if it if it's just you know recycle rinse repeat all the time like you know grow up have kids so they could have kids so they could have like what's the point really and i think like you hit on it tremendously i think god desperately wants us to be transparent with him he wants this relationship with us to where he wants to prove how good he is it's it's kind of like in a relationship type of relationship my wife and I have is like I want opportunities to prove my love for her you know Um, because that's that's what love does like I want to show her how much I love her Um, I if that takes doing dishes if that takes doing you know laundry if that takes you know vacuuming or you know not playing a video game for as long you know like I want to show her whatever way that she sees in in a truthful way obviously that i love her and i think that's very true with god he wants to show us how much he cares for us right and i think i think so many people come to a place where they see every human relationship as give and take and i live in this frame of mind a lot where just every single thing the per, every single person feels like they require something from you and in that uh and that led to my kind of overall cynicism in, in in ways that I'm even still dealing with it. That, like, God is the only place that I've ever seen um, kindness without 
I need for, uh, you know, kind of reciprocation or whatever, and that every human relationship wants something from me. And uh, in that way, it's easy to kind of, to just kind of write it off as saying, it's just give and take. They just care about me because I care about them. And when I stop caring about them, they'll stop caring about me. And that is the truth for most people. The the main thing that going through the depression and, and, and all of that taught me was that every single human sees what you do and who you are as exactly the same because that's kind of how we're wired up, that those are identical and that to God those weren't the same. And I never experienced a relationship where my actions and who I really was were not the same and that God saw something beneath the actions as well as beneath the just just beneath everything that was instinct and all this previous pain that I hadn't dealt with and stuff and that God saw all that stuff and he wasn't scared of it and he wasn't angry at it. And, um, and just that he, yeah, he wasn't turned off by the actions. And, and I feel like so many times in my life, I, um, I was really hurting and my parents didn't really notice. And, uh, you know, I didn't come out and tell them cause I felt like they should just see, yeah. um, one of the times being somewhat recent and, just that's just my like personality type i just i just feel like i i just wish they were in tune enough with me that they could see it without me saying it right. um and uh and a lot of times that didn't happen and uh and just that well in a way that that's part of what led me to god is that people closest to me didn't they didn't they didn't fill the hole that i had and they kind of couldn't but i i just want to this is kind of a a one-off, but I, I just want to say this because, you know, a lot of people, a ton of people have dealt with really tricky um, parent situations, but my heart also goes out to people who do have really great parents, but um, but they still, um, like, I've still had situations with my parents as, as godly people as they are, is when they are doing good parent stuff, I almost wonder, are you just doing that because you know that's what you're supposed to do, or do you really care about me in this moment at all? And um, and that that level of cynicism knows no boundaries, really. Yeah. Um, but that God was the only place where that did not apply, um, and that those were separated things. That He saw something far uh, below what I was doing, and saw all the the pain behind that, and wanted to get rid of it. Wanted to get rid of the shame. Wanted to get rid of the guilt and just all the weight that I walk around with, and wanted to remove that um first uh before anything else and um and just wanted to show kindness to me and and going back to what we talked about as growing up with humor as a as a coping mechanism it's especially uh showed its head when it comes to taking any kind of compliment or anything that um it showed me not allowing any kind of uh my cynicism not allowing any kind of uh kindness in my own life or any kind of love, really, that um, I just couldn't. I didn't know how to what to do with it. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it it took a kind of it took me coming to the edge of life and death to not care anymore and to just say I need it. Yeah, I, I very much struggle with that too. When you reached out to me to do this podcast, I thought you were joking at first. <laughs> that's I mean, that's the the first response I know how to give to wrap this whole thing up is to say these incredibly hard questions about does my life mean anything i'm still asking those questions but because the thing that changed is that because 
I can have this dialogue with with God, and because over time he does remove past hurt and stuff, um, that my normal slowly gets better, and that the shame slowly goes away, and that the choices slowly change in a better direction, and and that any time I think personal change is really really hard to see because. It just is. It's incredibly hard to see that anything changes, and I feel like most people live with a frame of mind that they can't really change, and that things are just going to happen, and um, you know, bad things just happen, and why do they keep happening, and all that. And a, you know, a portion of that is true, but um, but that allowing a level of of honest dialogue with God, and allowing a certain level of uh, kindness from God, that. I do see change over the years. I do not see it in the days, and I don't see it in the weeks or in the months, really. But over years, I do see small ways in that um, that I'm allowing change for the better. And just want to give hope to people that are listening. And it's incredibly hard to say anything like this without being super smug because I don't want to pretend to have answers I don't have. But at the same time, um, that change can happen and uh, and you won't necessarily see it happening uh, in in the moment, but that God does care about your life and He does care uh, about the the things that happen in it, and that your loneliness in the moment or whatever does not scare Him and it doesn't anger Him, and uh, and He just wants you to uh, to be okay with that and to come with Him to Him with that. Thank yeah. you so much for your time, man. Um, we will be back soon, and we'll see you soon. All right. See you next Thanks. Monday. Podcast people.